e e e ha 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 oh hi my name is arthur head coach of the falcons there are some people out there like um <clears throat> your little friend matthew berry who thinks that coaching is about winning is about using your best players but it's not it's actually about creating a little bit of chaos it's about sending a message to the fantasy community you want those little fantasy points that you love so much well here's what i want i want your figurehead matthew to come out and say arthur you're right you're a genius a true mastermind and we respect your coaching authority oh and matthew for every week that you don't say that more of their fantasy value dies <laughs> Welcome to the Dad Bod Pod. I'm your host, Jamie Schleicher. Absent today is our often absent co-host, Matt McNichol, taking a siesta somewhere, showing his sister around Charlottesville. Also absent is our normally trusty tri-host and unpaid intern, Seth Whispleway, vacationing in Tierra del Fuego, also fiesting down there. But we do have some guests preventing the long-threatened solo pod that looked like it might come to fruition this week. But we did have some guests step up. We have Michael Bins, the LP. Michael, welcome back to the pod. Thanks, Jamie. Glad to be here. And also joining us today is Michael's nameless wife and lifelong partner of <laughs> one year, one, one and a half years. Yeah, one and a half. Great Fellow. to be here. Such a treat. And, I, and yeah, actually, welcome to the pod. Exactly. Just about. Yeah. Whoa. Know, we hit the right? one day past. Well, congratulations on one and a half years. This is how we like to celebrate. Joining podcasts. Do Doing a big joint pod. <laughs> welcome. Uh, so we talked a lot about Barcelona with Michael last time, but Alex, want to get your thoughts on digital nomad life and also used to be a speech pathologist in charlottesville very hands-on work i uh, know that that was a lot for you so also want to see what it's been like transitioning from that very intensive uh mm -hmm. work to to current life today uh so what what is what has that transition been like for you uh, I'm not gonna lie, Jamie, it has been a little tough for me. Um, many tears have been shed. Uh, it's been a few months, though, since tears have been shed. I think it's it's been really interesting because in full transparency, I think when we were leaving Charlottesville, I was really feeling like I needed a break from the field and was just feeling a little burnt out. I had been working in the NICU at the hospital um, 
and also like the pediatric floor and pick you, but um, it's just an intense environment. And I think I was feeling a little bit like work was taking more of me than I wanted work to take, if that makes sense. So the thought of doing this year and finding a job that was totally unrelated and would allow us to adventure and travel around was really exciting. But I think I have unfortunately fallen to the like exact opposite of that spectrum. And um, the work that I'm doing now, I find quite boring. And um, I think I've come to peace with that a little bit more. And I'm trying to not, you know, define all of my worth and meaning in this job. And instead, I'm trying to just be grateful for the flexibility it's given us. You know, it's something to do while we're living this nomadic lifestyle. But um, yeah, it's been quite the transition. Well, I feel like also, like people don't necessarily understand that speech in mm. the in the hospital setting, this is like a very medical yeah, thing. Yeah, that's and a like great point. Dealing with children and sort of everything that comes with them, like flatulence and vomiting and just all of that is like part and parcel of the stuff that you have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. Very different than your current Yeah. And, and so I think when a lot of people hear speech pathology, it's like, oh, you help people say their R's or, you know, and that is, that can be part of it. But in the medical setting, it's mostly feeding and swallowing. So we mm. would be the ones to um, determine if so in the NICU, for example, a baby's born prematurely, we would determine if they're ready to start eating by mouth instead of using their a tube to get feeding. So there's just a lot of pressure there. And I think, you know, everyone has different goals and dynamics with different providers. And um, but yeah, that's a great point. It's it's not necessary. I didn't know when I started the field, when I was interested in the field, that that was even part of what you could do. So I think once we return, my goal would honestly be to be at the hospital like two, maybe three days a week, and then do something a little more creative in conjunction with it. So we'll see. Yeah. And that that's really interesting. Um, and also hearing that there were some things that you weren't aware of when you started that, that role and position, what was it about speech pathology that originally drew you in and might've been more, you were thinking one thing mm-hmm. um, aspect of it. And then you got this other job, which also sounds like it was very rewarding, even though it was very challenging and demanding. Um, but what, what were some other aspects of it that, that drew you in outside of this position? Yeah, I think I was, I always knew I've always loved working with kids. So I think that was always a natural draw. And then I actually was first had the idea that I might want to go into the world of speech pathology when I was a, I guess it was a summer between my junior and senior year of high school. Um, I was, I had gone on a trip to Hungary where we um, connected with this school for deaf children And I just was like so drawn to and amazed by the way that we were able to communicate with these kids, even though we had a cultural barrier, a language barrier, an auditory barrier, we still could, could find ways to communicate and connect with them. And so, you know, that's at that time of your life, people are always asking you, where are you applying to college, blah, blah, blah. And, um, 
long story short, kind of stumbled upon the field of speech pathology, originally thinking I would go more into that like private practice, school setting, uh, where you're more focused on language development. Um, But then in grad school, as I started to learn more about the feeding swallowing aspect of the field, I've found myself really drawn to that. And um, yeah, kind of, I think it's neat because especially working with babies, you also are connecting with their parents. And so especially being in the NICU setting where it's high stress, providers are in and out all the time, parents are like getting all this information all the time, but you know, it's not really sinking in. Um, When a baby's eating, we're like sitting there for 15 to 30 minutes and just have a little more time to like slow down and connect with parents and you know, my primary patient is the baby, but I think I also really enjoyed the opportunity to like connect with families as well. So there's a lot I liked about it. It's, you know, it's, it's intense. And I think that's where I've kind of thought about how being there just maybe not full time would be the ideal for me where I can still find that rewarding work experience, but, um, maybe can also like leave it at the door a little better too. Yeah. Work-life balance is, is a a, a tricky thing to navigate. And you also hit on a lot of interesting aspects that I think all of us wrestle with of vocation and identity and, you know, knowing that our job is something that we do and ultimately want to find meaning in, Mm -hmm. but not wanting that to necessarily define us, we're much more than our jobs and those totally. things. And also the importance of rest and uh, being able to to disconnect in healthy ways and, you know, invest in our friends and communities and, mm-hmm. and those types of things. So yeah, and I can tell you, I mean, that has probably been the biggest perk of this new job. Like I five o'clock rolls around, which is actually three o'clock where we are now. And I close my computer and I do not give it a second thought, you know, and and that really is nice. It's um, a nice adjustment and there's something to that. Yeah. Being able to kind of just embrace this season where, you know, it allows for a little more rest and more of that work-life balance. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of the like outside of work life to enjoy and balance right now. I mean, from a community perspective at least, but um yeah, so that has been something that I have enjoyed about the new position. Yeah, and it gives you some time to really dive into the Dad Bod Fantasy Football oh, yeah. League, listen to some great podcasts, join some podcasts. Uh, Michael did let us know that of your own volition, you willingly chose to listen to our last episode. Yeah. Um, on my what, own, Jamie, Michael didn't what, listen to it. Yeah. What, what is that? That that's fascinating to me in its own. So I'm just curious, what, what is your experience with the, the league and the pod been like so far and what possibly compelled you to sure. make that decision sometime last week of, yeah, I'm going to spin up the dad bod bod. Um, great questions. I would say, I don't know. I feel like I've learned a lot about, I don't know, Mike, I'm, I'm fair. I've been fairly curious this year, at least, but I feel like last year a little bit too, just to know the general, like, Hey, who are you playing this week? You know, when the draft is happening, 
trying to encourage Michael to, you know, not have a ton of money left over because <laughs> I know that has historically been a thing. I don't know how effective my encouragements were this season, but you know, uh, so I've always been like loosely interested. Um, and I think probably because we've had so much car time, honestly, in Montana, we find ourselves talking about and, and getting some fantasy updates while we're driving. Um, this past week, I will say was probably, I mean, I don't want to call it for sure, but I would guess is maybe a one-off situation where mm. Michael had mentioned that in the group text, uh, some slanderous things might have been said about him in the podcast. And he's, he's not really a big confrontational guy. He's just kind of like, whatever. But I wanted to know how riled up I slash we should be about the things that were said. And honestly, it wasn't that bad. Like, especially in comparison to the things said about our dear friend, Matt McNichol, I was like, okay, well, whatever. <laughs> so that was what prompted me listening. Okay. Well, one, glad to, glad to hear our judiciously curated slanderous hot takes uh, weren't, weren't too incendiary. No. Um, there is, there is an element of alter ego or persona in the league where we kind of create fictionalized versions of ourselves. There's this flanderization process where traits get exaggerated and then attacked for the sake of creating this drama, this content. Sure. I mean, you uh, have to keep your listeners engaged. Exactly. You know? we, we need to stir the pot a little bit and create these rivalries and characters and personas. So let me tell you, it worked for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like we were able to, to entice one new listener last week, yeah. and that's that that's the goal. Could you ever see yourself taking an official co-owner spot with Michael when it comes to team management? Like, could you ever see yourself working the waiver wire one week, or you know, hitting up Matt McNichol and being like, "These trade offers are trash. Here's what." here's what a trade needs to look like to make this happen. Um, no, I mean, of all of the things, the, you know, sending like fiery comments to Matt McNichol. Sure. But in terms of the like management of the league and amount of time and research and data, like I, that's just not really my, not really my thing, you know, but Michael's far better at, the data life. Maybe than I am. He, he may be better at the data life, but he's also ninth in the league right now. So perhaps <laughs> he could use some of that, uh, some of that non-data to buttress the team. I think if anything, my role, because right, like I have, a, I have a little bit of investment in this in terms of the potential, like financial gains. Right. The, <laughs> they are. So, yeah. It's not insignificant. I wouldn't say it's significant, but certainly not insignificant. And I, so I think if anything, I could do a better job of coaching him up pre-draft, you know, mm -hmm. being a little more aggressive, spending the big bucks. Not yeah. punting the first five weeks of the season because yeah. every player you drafted is injured. These guys will come off the bench. I don't know. 
She's got a point. <laughs> she's she's got a point, and there is money on the line here. The yeah. for example, if you win the league, you know that's a nice dinner at Far Downers in Crozet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've got great ranch, so we would definitely be hitting that up. Mm-hmm. I I know Michael is the Yelp man who who's oh, seen yeah. the reviews. Any other reviews you want to share from? I just want to point out what uh, Dwight Gordon from Richmond uh, wrote about uh, for Downers. Um, you know, there's a small comment, but the, the end is really where it gets good. This is our second visit as we are from out of town. Our first was very good and we looked for the place again. I just had a Reuben that was somewhere between perfection and a religious experience. Comparing notes with others at the bar with great, reasonably priced drinks and beers on tap, I might add. All food was awesome. If I could levitate this place back to my hometown, I would do it. Wow. Levitate is an interesting word to use, um, but I'm glad that amidst Dwight's experience, uh, he felt like somewhere between, yeah, perfection and, and re- religious, religious karma. Yeah. yeah, wow. So, I mean, there there's our pod title. Um, excited for that. And <laughs> shout out Dwight for providing us with a... Uh, with the title for the episode levitate is an interesting one. If you guys had to choose a different word, teleport is the first one that came to mind for me, but curious uh, if you had to get a restaurant from Bozeman, Montana to Charlottesville, Virginia, what is the, the word or method of transportation that you would go for? I guess we could give a little Harry Potter shout out and do apparate. But I don't know if you can like make something else operate. I would need to do a deep dive to figure that one out. Yeah, we'll we'll have our unpaid intern uh, fact check that and Perfect. let us know on the next episode if operate works in this situation. Yeah, I think um, I think I'd probably just say reopen. <laughs> if I could reopen <laughs> this place back in my hometown, <laughs> I would do it. Or, um, or franchise, open. maybe you know, mm-hmm. expand and. Yeah, you know, just open up a new one and under same same ownership. Yeah, Jamie, question. When you hear the word levitate, do you think that there is any transportation going or is it just a hovering? Mm. Yeah, it's more of more of a hovering in my experience. Word association, I'm just thinking David Blaine, mm. you know, kind of the the uh the optical illusion aspect of it. Yeah. But yeah, don't don't see a lot of horizontal movement there, mostly vertical. Yes. I think he was just so caught up in that religious experience. He was getting his words a little jumbled, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he probably was not conscious at the time of writing this review. Yeah, he was, I, he was doing his guess. best. Yeah. Was it the spirit moving or was the air conditioning on? We'll, we'll never or, know. Or was it spirits? Mm. It's true. Great point. Anyway, a of, Dwight, Dwight Gordon out of Richmond. Um he had, a, he had actually a few reviews that I looked at for other places too, just to see what he was putting out there in the ether. And this was toward the top, but there were some good ones too. Mm. Some light light reading for all of our listeners if you're ever looking uh, for for some topics there. Any um, any other restaurants or places that you're you're missing from home while you're on this digital nomad life? For sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh... I mean, how many can we say? I'll keep it to three, I guess. Yeah, but, let's say um, three. Continental Divide, for sure. Mm, classic. Um, it's a place we frequent with Matt McNichol and his nameless wife. Uh, so that's for sure one that we miss. Con Mole, which was it there before you left? 
It was. Okay. I don't think I ever made it there, but Jamie. yeah, in, in Belmont. Yeah, in Belmont, it is one of our faves. We've really enjoyed it, um, and we weren't able. So we were back for a short. I guess it was just a week, right? A little less than a week in August and we're not able to make a con mole trip. So that's probably top of our list when we're back in December. And then I can only pick one more. Um, I'm going to go with a bakery instead of a full on restaurant and say Cuckoo Rishu. That yeah, is a big loss, but also, um, probably good for our wallets that we don't have access to it. So. That's fair. I I was back for the draft in August or September. And I think I spent somewhere around 72 hours in Charlottesville, probably not even quite that, but you know, like two and a half days. And yeah, it's, it's tough when you're, you're only there for a little bit. You're like, oh, this list is I know. 10 what restaurants. Did you hit up? What, were, what were the priorities for you? Uh, so Matt wanted to take me to a breakfast restaurant and it was closed on Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever day I was leaving. So that was sad, but did hit up, uh, Marie Bet mm. happened and, um, what's the place that does sourdough? Bell, so yeah, good. Bell. Um, so that did that uh, for lunch with Gui Ming. Shout out Gui Ming. Uh, one day as well. So you those got his tattoo. Of... Did you know? No. Tell yeah. us more about Gui Ming's tattoo. Honestly, I'm gonna butcher it, but it has a lot of meaning to him, and maybe he can be the next guest star. <laughs> but it has like family ties. And I think is on his like shoulder slash chest. I don't really know. How how sizable are we talking? Is it is it a prominent? It's bigger tattoo? than you would think. Okay, so whatever mental image you have in your mind right now, as as a reminder, this is a, a podcast for audio listeners. Whatever mental image you have in your mind right now, it is larger than that. Yeah, that's all we can say. Well, always, always good to get some Charlottesville nostalgia on the pod. Uh, definitely enjoyed my time there and love it every time I'm able to return and see so many lovely phases and establishments. But uh, I've heard you uh, have about four or five activities that you participate in post-work life in Montana Mm-hmm. One of which uh, included trivia this past week, and I heard it was a two a two person trivia team of you and Michael, and you guys took home first place. Yeah, honestly, one of the greatest accomplishments of my life. And I'm gonna be honest with you though, Jamie, my I don't think there was a single question that I knew the answer to that Michael did not know the answer to besides Mm. the word scrambles. I was pretty quick at those. Uh, So when we say we won, it was Michael won and I was there. And you also knew the answers to. Well, to some we, if, if it was just based on my knowledge, we, we would not have come in first place. We got 
we got lucky with the first with a handful you know um there aren't many popes that i know the name of but i did know pope john paul and took a guess that the photo of a pope that was shown was indeed pope john paul not benedict not francis yeah or, my vote was francis so what was it pope john paul the second or the it first? was yeah we okay, didn't put the okay. second but we got full credit so yeah they, nice. they were also pretty generous um and then uh i know Favorite of listeners to the podcast, uh, Deion Sanders showed up in the uh, in the in the clues. It was a photo of him. They were not all photos, but this one was a photo of him. And the we were asked to um, write down which university uh, he was coaching for. And um, again, got a little bit of a little bit of kindness there. I wrote for us Colorado University because CU. I'm pretty sure is the acronym. But no, no, Correct. it is University of Colorado. So um, it riddled me, but um, got full points for that and uh, ended up t- uh, scoring 48 by the end of the night, yeah. which garnered us the $15 gift card that we walked out with. I will say, though, I found myself like a little embarrassed. Um, I'm curious to hear your trivia experience because I know you have some as well. But and maybe it was just because it was two of us. So we didn't have that like, yeah, look at us go team. Right. Like, it was just the two of us. So to hear them reading out that we were the front runner and then ultimately won, I found myself like a little sheepish and actually wanted to change. It was a type of trivia where you have one round, you know, and then it kind of like restarts the next game, but everyone keeps their same name. And I found myself wanting to change our team name Oh, to not, to not be like, highlighting if we did win again, which we didn't. So no need to fret, but I don't know. Have you felt that at all? Just like a little bit of funniness about being a front runner. Uh, I would not say that I love winning. I hate losing. So being being in the lead is, is where I want to be. If I'm not there, I'm, I'm upset. Um, How many people do you play with? So still trying to like finalize the crew. You can have teams up to six and we have a solid group of five that is kind of committed to it uh, for this, this weekly season. I, I recruited two couples from my co-ed softball team that was playing on, on Tuesday nights season ended two weeks ago. Uh, my niece Rose got adopted this past Friday, so it was a little busy this this past week uh, with a lot of family in town. Um, but convinced two of these couples, like, hey, let's just keep the Tuesday night plans rolling through the winter. Like, let's let's play trivia at this place. Mm-hmm. Got to try it out for the first time this past week. Our team name um, as that this one was used by our friend Dustin in other trivia events that he used to go to in New York. Um, he picked the name in second place. So anytime your name is read, regardless of what place you're in, it's like in first place is in second place. Um, so that that's what we went with. And true to our name, we, we did finish in second place. Wow. So Prophetic. in second place came in second place. And the way, the way it's set up here is there's seven rounds and it's just all, combined so okay. like one one session for the night um but yeah we were we were looking good through five 
and then had a disastrous sixth round and a not great seventh round. And that, that had us still second place. That's pretty great. Would you mind sharing with us one of the questions that you did not get right in your sixth round? Oh, um, sixth round. What did we, there was a lot of geography Mm. in that round and it was like, what four country capitals start with these letters? Hmm. Um, and there were two in Asia. There's one in South America. There's one in Europe. So I'll, I'll ask Michael and Alex, uh, trivia winners, not, not runner up. Uh, do you know a capital of a country that starts with the letter Q or Z? Apparently, there's only one of each. Huh. No, do not off that my head. Yeah. Well, neither neither did we. <laughs> so, but perhaps some others who yeah. played trivia did. Jamie, did yeah. you get any winnings um, for getting? We second? did. We we also came home with a fifteen dollar gift card for split. second place. Wow, so they were holding out on us. Split yeah, five split ways. among us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. We'll have to see if we can get a pitcher or something next yeah. week. Nice. That's fun. I'm glad you have the like semi-committed crew. Cause I, yeah, I'm with you. I'm pretty competitive and it wasn't, I wanted to, I think it really was probably the twofold one, just a team of the two of us Two, having it be split into two rounds. It's like, you can't win two times in a row. That's just like no fun for anybody. And so I, I think mean, you can, I know. Well, we didn't. So <laughs> Jury's still out on if you can. Yeah. What is the answer that you guys are most proud that you you got? Can I tell you the one that I'm uh, the, the one that we did not get right uh, in the first round instead? Because I'm having trouble thinking of one that I I know that we're proud of. Um, yeah, the one that kept you up at night. Yeah, we uh, the the question was, and we should have gotten this, but um, what teenage star? played in I know what you did last summer and something else it was like they're they've played the voice of the 911 operator on this show for the past five to ten years or whatever I don't know do you know the answer Jamie no I'm flabbergasted yeah Jennifer Love Hewitt um so anyway that was the one that we did not get right in our winning session um so that one will haunt us for a while yeah Yeah, that that's tough. Um, I will make one last note on my trivia night. Uh, it was election night in Colorado, and there was in the same room that they were hosting trivia. There was, I'm assuming, not quite a private event because there was public trivia going on, but it felt like these two people that were running for the community school board in one of the districts. Uh, rented out half of the bar to have their election night party. And it was just, yeah, it was wild. Like on the right half of the room, there's just people trying to play trivia. And then on the left side of the room, there's people anxiously watching the the board, seeing the results come in for this school board election. 
And they did win. I know this because they got microphones and gave a speech. Oh my God. Somewhere around round four. So it was, it was just like, what is happening? What right a now? time. Like, yeah. It feels like one or the other of these events should be happening right now. Yeah. Yeah. Who was the like manager in charge that allowed that to happen? Yeah. They're like, oh yeah, you guys can have your event. Like we'll have trivia going on, but you guys, (laughs) you guys are more than welcome. Uh, Two, two microphones just kind of uh, competing a little bit. Yeah, Battling it out. I love that. That's awesome. So uh, do you guys do you guys think you'll do trivia again? Go back in a fortnight or so, or was one and done? You you took home the crown and gonna lace up the boots. Yeah, we've we've got to use the gift card. I was gonna say we so, have to go back to at least use the gift card. Yeah, that's a good point. We did have an opportunity to uh, close out our tab with the gift card, but did not do that. So our hand is a little forced there, but yeah, I mean, I think so. You know, I kind of alluded to it before, but seeing as we have zero friends and zero commitments out here right now, we are always on the hunt for things to do, especially now that it's getting cold, you know, like the, our first month and a half, two months, we were able to do a lot of hiking, go into a lot of national parks. And, um, it was four degrees outside the other day. So, um, the tides are shifting in that regard. So yeah, I, I could see us for sure going back to trivia. Love it. Make make it happen. Use the gift card. And I'll remind you, uh, I think I'm only like a, an eight hour drive away or so. So if you ever need to come down to Colorado for a weekend. Honestly, we might take you up on that. Our concept of like how far a long drive is has totally changed after we spent 37 hours driving out here. So eight hours sounds like chump change at this point. Yeah, you know? Leave a, leave on a Friday, you know, you get a all day Saturday and Sunday and then perfect long, long drive back Monday. Easy. Or we've got the, uh, the office down here now, uh, co-working space. We've got, we've got monitors for everyone. So if you want to stay Monday, Tuesday, you're, you're welcome as long as you want. I'm verklempt at the offer, Jamie. Thank you. And Michael, I made it to my first NBA basketball game in my entire life. The last week, last Monday, saw the the Nuggets play the Jazz, and wasn't a great game, but did get to see uh, my my favorite backup point guard, Reggie Jackson, NBA champion. He was a groomsman in my cousin's wedding, so you know, big fan of his. And uh, the Nuggets took home took home the win, the defending champion Nuggets. So it was, it was a fun time. That's great. I have not seen the Nuggets play, but I have seen the Jazz play in an earlier iteration of them in Philly, and uh, it was a good time. So uh, I'm glad to hear that you got to uh, got to experience that. Was that Stockton and Malone days, or was that more like Donovan Mitchell days? It was Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert days. Okay. So like right, right in between the eras. Yeah, indeed. And you teed us up a little bit for Michael being the data guy. Michael, I've heard you've done some analysis on, um, on a schedule adjusted strength of teams. And, you know, this is a matchup dependent game. 
you could score 50 points in a week, which I'm pretty sure oh, Steven no. did earlier yeah. this year. But if you're playing somebody that scores 49, you get the only thing that matters, and that's the W for the week. But that may not be telling the whole story of variance in the league and uh, you know what what teams we should actually fear in our Tears of Fears polls. Yeah. Yeah, I um, each week I just collect some data, throw it in a spreadsheet, see see what uh, what truth is, um, and so this is kind of a truth telling exercise. And I was I was thinking it's a good time to do this. We are uh, through nine weeks. I believe there are five weeks left, including a game that is I believe happening right now, um, starting starting the first of those five weeks. Um, and so there's there's a little bit of time left, but not a ton of time to make moves. Uh, but I think it's it's a good time to to take a look and to kind of determine, yeah, what would everyone else what would everyone's record be if they played everyone else instead of just playing the team that was put in front of them that particular week? So yes, yeah, essentially adjusting for scheduling luck. And um, through that analysis, have identified that there are six teams whose records are either plus or minus fifteen percent from what their records. Um, there's a, there's a difference between uh, 15% between what their actual records are and what they would be if they played everyone else. And that's that's meaningful. There are a couple of folks for whom that difference is 20%. Um, and so I wanted to look at those six different teams and to sort of reflect on them and where they're at and uh, where they would be in the standings ultimately if they played every team every week. I love it. Let's dive into it. All right. So there are there are of those six, there are three who um, have gotten favorable um, are on the favorable side of the data, and there are three that are on the unfavorable one. And incidentally, this is um, so so random, but it felt just right when I when I saw it. Um, the three unlucky teams played the three lucky teams this past week, um, and so the uh, let's start with the those who have gotten a more favorable end of things. Um, let's start with. Travis Paquel. Um, and for each person, I've sort of identified a few different sort of stats to throw out there um, under three different categories. I'm calling them the basics, next steps, and deep cuts. So f- let's start with the basics for Travis. He is in fifth place currently. He is tied with Matt and Seth um, for third, technically, but because of the number of points that he's scored this um, year, he's in fifth, even though they have the same record. His actual win percentage, 66 0.7% adjusted though um, to what his win percentage would be if he played every other team that would drop down to 50.5%. So a difference of 16.2. Um, so uh, Travis has been um, the beneficiary of some scheduling luck. Uh, so in terms of next steps among the, the six teams, the three unlucky and the three most lucky, um, Travis Wordsworth does have the most top five finishes. He um, has six top five finishes over the course of the nine weeks of the season, and he's five and one in those finishes. So um, definitely some strength there. It's not all luck. Um, and I, but I will note four of those uh, six top five finishes have actually been within each of the past four weeks. So he's on a roll right now. I think believe, believe it was week two and three that he was had two top five finishes and then um, – Six, seven, eight, nine. So he's on a roll. Uh, deep cuts, though his um, his placement in the league would not be fifth um, 
if we adjusted for schedule enough, but would be six. So he dropped down a smidge um, moving forward. So uh, Travis is kind of the first of the of the luckies, um, but of the three luckies, he is the least lucky of those. I want to talk about Seth next, though, because I think there's some jumping off points for this conversation. Seth, just the basics. He's in third place right now, and kind of like with Travis tied um, with Matt and Travis, but same record, but he's has the third place. Um, his actual winning percentage in the league, 66.7. But if you adjust for scheduling luck, he drops down to 49.5%. So he's under 500, difference of 17.2. Um, Seth has three top three finishes, and he's been 3-0 and in those. He has five top six finishes, has been 5-0 and in those. Um, if you adjusted, though, um, to if you do the adjustments for everyone, he drops down to seventh place. Um, so he he jump goes from third, which he's in now, to seven. That's a pretty big drop. So Jamie, I ask you, Travis and Seth, uh, they're two of the luckiest teams from a scheduling perspective. They're third and fifth right now, tied at six and three. Which one of them do you think is most likely to regress to the mean and potentially miss out on a playoff spot? I would have to say Seth. He is my nemesis, and I actively root against him. So the fact that you're telling me that he's just getting lucky and if we adjusted every team to play every week, he would actually be outside of the playoffs. Makes way more sense to me. Uh, that fits with my understanding of the universe. He's also made this heavy bet on the giants acquiring both league winner, Darren Waller and Saquon Barkley. The second he does that Waller gets injured and Daniel Jones also tears his Achilles and goes on IR for the rest of the season. So um, you know, Seth's moves just aren't working out right now. It looks like injuries and, uh, the New York football giants can probably help him regress to the mean and make sure justice is served. So I would put that on him, but also Travis Kelsey or not Travis Kelsey, Travis Bikel, who is, uh, avoiding the pod, like the plague right now. I'm not sure what's going on there. If you want to offer any prognostications, but he also had some tight end injury bad luck this week as well with Dallas Goddard breaking his arm, but not officially getting placed on the IR, asking for some commissioner to commissioner favoritism to force him to the IR and allow him to, to make a move. Um, so I, I think it's funny that the two lucky members that you've mentioned so far have been unlucky when it comes to tight end health. Yeah, I, I do think continuing to start New York Giants is a recipe for regression. Um, but I'm wondering, Jamie, if you feel any sort of conflict, internal conflict about the fact that he's also starting Tony Pollard um, and Tony Pollard could contribute to regression. Um, I know you want the Cowboys to do well in general, but do you have yeah any sort of, do you feel any sort of conflict internally about picking Seth to regress while also, um, you know, starting a, a player for whom in real life you're quite fond of. This is true. I am rooting for Tony Pollard as he is a Dallas Cowboy. I want the Dallas Cowboys to do well, but also given my uh, camaraderie with the analytics movement within the National Football League, I am a subscriber to the general, if Flanderization is eyesed, opinion of running backs don't matter. So 
Tony Pollard has not lived up to expectations this year so far. Could be injury-related. He had a very gruesome injury last year, maybe lost a step. The offensive line, not quite doing what we expected to do. But really, the the Cowboys are going to go as Dak Prescott goes, and to that degree as well. That's a scary proposition. So uh, I, I think the Cowboys' success is more tied to Dak than it is to Tony. Mm-hmm. So there is still a world where Tony continues to do what he's done so far, or even Rico Dowdle, who has looked more explosive this year, which is shocking to all of us who have been wanting Tony Pollard to get more work from Ezekiel Elliott the past couple of years. But Rico's looking good. So there's a world where the Cowboys continue to roll, the defense does its dominant thing, and Tony uh, also contributes to Seth's fantasy demise, which, let's be serious, is also a win for me. Yeah, I, I will point out that uh, Rico might have the best name in the NFL after Tank Dell, in my opinion. Um, but it's a really strong name there. And I uh, hope to get to see him on the field a little bit more, not at Tony Pollard's expense for those who are rooting for Tony, either in fantasy or in real life. But um, just because I want to see that name on the back of that jersey running up and down the field. Agree. Alex, are there any active NFL players who you think just have incredible names? No comment. Zach, edit this out. <laughs> Michael, uh, back to you. We, yeah, Jamie. Do, one, we, so we have one more lucky before we get to the three unluckiest. I want to see if you want to take a guess as to who in our league, in this 12-team league, has been the luckiest from a scheduling luck perspective. So I could put on my Nostradamus hat. Also going to pull in some comments that have been alluded to in text messages and pre-pod conversation and i'm gonna guess that my name lands in the lucky column it does it does uh and it's not just in the lucky column but it is at the top of the lucky column from uh from a scheduling adjusted perspective you were in first place you're tied with no one right now there is no one even with you and i think that makes a lot of sense um based on your personality and your uh you know uh roi positive fantasy expertise uh, you have an actual winning percentage currently in the league of 77.8%. If we, if you played every team every week, though, your decrease would take you down to 59.6%. That's a decrease of 18.2. So um, in terms of luck, uh, you have done, you have been benefited by that. You've also done well, though. Um, curiously, though, Jamie, uh, and just taking it down to the next steps, you have only one top three finish, um, which is the fewest of... Uh, both the lucky and the unlucky six that, I, that I'm bringing to you today. Uh, your record in those finishes, 1-0. So congrats on that. How's Let's it go. Hearing that? Are you surprised? Uh, are you even tracking with that? Uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts about your one top three finish, considering you are number one in the league overall? So th- this does track to an analysis that Caleb of Caleb's Corner fame did a couple years ago that – basically came to the conclusion that most of fantasy football is completely random. And, you know, you basically have a coin toss 50, 50 chance each week. So I I would expect the median for everybody to kind of be circling around that 50% mark and, you know, um, only rising, you know, a little bit above it. So it's, that 60% number that you said like true percentage wise actually feels pretty good. And the fact, um, 
that like I'm a little bit above that and benefiting from the variance of hitting people at, at right times and, you know, winning some lower scoring matchups. Uh, you know, I will take the luck because uh, anybody who's played this game long enough has gone through their, their series of heartbreak and the bad side of luck. So anytime luck wants to treat me well, I will, I will fully embrace it and stand alone in first place. And you, when you say luck, you're referring to the concept of luck, not Stephen Luck, correct? Correct. Although, if if Stephen Luck wants to treat me well, you know that's that just makes my day. So yeah, well, I love Stephen. It's uh, you. You mentioned variance, and I'm I'm. It was uh, really um, fortuitous that you did because the next thing I was going to bring up was that you have been at least of these six, and maybe of everyone in the league, the most consistent. Um, in your scoring. So the gap, Jamie, between your highest and your lowest scoring weeks is 46 points. Um, you'll hear a little bit later that there are some for whom they have a, a delta of twice that. So you, uh, you've been fairly consistent. Um, you have only scored less than 100 once. That was in week one, and everyone had pretty horrible weeks in week one. So I just want to ask you, what is your secret? Uh, I don't know that it's all luck. Per se, it's not all scheduling luck. I'm wondering if this is draft strategy bearing fruit for you. Maybe something we can all learn from. I mean, and I just dug back through the the draft to find out. Um, you had an interesting strategy. Uh, I think different than some strategy you've taken in the past in this league. Uh, you drafted two players in the top 15, but didn't spend over $50 on either of them. Uh, I think you got Brees Hall at 21 and uh, Stefan Diggs at 49. So you spent on Diggs, but not a t- ton. Um and then the next player you drafted was the 46th overall player. You you set out a lot of that um, sort of bottom of the top tier, top of the, the next tier down and picked Darren Waller. League winner, Darren Waller. League uh, winner. Heard it here so first. Yeah, you skipped out on a, high, a lot of high-priced players. In fact, Jamie, um, other than Diggs, you did not spend more than $26 on any one player. And so I'm wondering, do you is that draft strategy playing – paying dividends in your consistency um, over the course of the season, do you think? So I, I wouldn't put it on draft strategy necessarily as far as um, a couple of things that I, I hit on. So the first one is uh, Stefan Diggs. So that, that player in the top 15, he's, I, I think he's wide receiver two on the year so far. Um, but he's he's been a guy that he's helping you win win leagues. So out of the the round one, round two players that I drafted, I I hit on that. So like when you hit on your top pick, you're gonna have a better season than you know people that spent a, a lot of money on like Nick Chubb. Pollard, for example. Nick Chubb, yeah, exactly. Um, when your when your top pick doesn't hit, and you allocated a, a substantial chunk of your resources to it that's going to set you behind and make it harder to to compete each week so um i hit on that first pick and then going from there i would say keenan allen who i don't know if you know what number he was drafted but was probably in like the 50s 60s 70s maybe even um but hit on him and he's producing like a top 10 wide receiver 
consistently ranked in in the top five even at, at the wide receiver position had one week where i think he scored 42 points so uh i i think hitting on those two wide receivers is is really the part that like i've got two guys that are giving me that high floor and then i just need the rest of the players to to do enough that even when Lamar Jackson scores one touchdown over three weeks, um, you know, the, the rest of my team is doing enough to, to, like you said, be that consistent hundred point because I'm getting, getting the points from elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, Allen was drafted as the 64th player uh, and for $21. Um, that was an investment well-made Jamie. So um, good on you. Yeah. I think, the, the consistency and how you've shown it compared to some of the other players in the league, myself included, um, I think does indicate that uh, that perhaps it's not all scheduling luck, but it but it also might be to a degree. Um, for what it's worth, Jamie, if every team played every team every week, um, your record would put you in fifth place. In the playoffs? That, yeah, that, that hurts a little bit. But like you said, in the playoffs, you give yourself a chance to to see what happens in that crazy three-week stretch. Yeah, your record would be, uh, just to be clear, 59 and 40. Um, and I also want to mention that in Zach's weekly posting of uh, Fantasy Pro's expert consensus rankings, they like my team a lot. So even though I don't, I'd, I'd only be in fifth place so far, the Fantasy Pro's experts also also like my team come playoff time. They do. And I mean, you're, you have the inside track to a buy, which is uh, pretty important as we, uh, as we look five weeks ahead to the playoff starting. Um, let's move to the one, to- one quick thing. I, d- sure. I don't want to put extra work on your plate, but if I had inserted Gus Edwards into my starting lineup the past three weeks, does that, does that bump me up to fourth? I think it probably does. And maybe even jumps you um, even one more spot to third, Jamie. All right. So just mentally, I'm going to, tell myself that if I was a better active manager that I could be in third place right now. Yeah. Um, Let's move to talking about those who have been on the other side of the luck equation. No pun intended, but perhaps Um, going from the, so looking at the three unluckiest and we'll start with of those, the one who is most lucky of the three unluckiest um, that's Brian. So just talking through the basics right now in seventh place, currently tied with Eric and I, um, who are eighth and ninth. So we have the same record, but he's beating us on points. His actual winning percentage, 44.4%. Uh, adjusted, though, if he played every team every week, his uh, winning percentage would jump up to 60.6. So that is a positive jump of 16.2, a positive regression or progression, as I prefer to think of it. Um Taking it down to next steps, he has three top three finishes. His record in those finishes, two and one. So he was in the top three once uh, and did not win. Um, so some scheduling unluck there. Furthermore, he's been uh, had six top six finishes. So being on the top half of the league each week, six times, um, and has lost two of those. So um, one of which was sort of the top three finish that he lost to. So um, he's got some unluck that's evident there. Um, thinking about it, in a deeper level, I want to just say, even though he's not one of the two unluckiest, his record, I think, betrays a pretty strong team. Um, he has averaged, and we can see this in just sort of points 
four over the course of the week, but uh, over the course of the season, but he's at 116.78 points per week. And essentially, which is tied with Seth for the second highest average points per week. Um, and it's three to four points higher, Jamie, than you and Travis on a uh, per week basis. Um, I will note though, that it's not just about the points for, obviously that's where we get um, a lot of the scheduling luck coming in is it's the points against. And so he has about 113 points averaged against him, which is 12 more points on average against him each week than Seth. Um, and uh, actually maybe 15 more than for uh, what you've gone up against Jamie and what you have and what Travis has gone up against. So um, he has definitely uh, had some opponents um, performing well against him. I just want to be fair. Uh, he has won 13 points against per week. Um, is the same magnitude of difference between uh, he and you all as uh, he and Eric, but on the other side of things. Um, so Eric has had even more uh, uh, unluck in that regard. Uh, I will note, Brian has been pretty consistent like you, Jamie. He has scored less than 100 points only once. Um, his score doesn't change too, too much. And this is kind of the big kicker. This is what makes me think that there's a lot of strength in his team. Uh his place in the league, if everyone played every team every week, he'd be third, um, tied with Matt McNichols for the same record. Um, so he would be jumping from what he is today at uh, seventh to where he would be in uh, in third place. Um, I think his team, some of the, the core numbers sort of communicate that too. So I think no surprises there. But um, what do you think of his team? He's also gone heavy on the Cowboys um, and, you know, but has the quarterback. Uh, so I think as, as Dak goes, so will the Cowboys and maybe therefore, so will Brian's team. I agree. As your nameless wife can recall from listening to the episode last week, Brian did come on and predict that he would win the championship again. So he believes in the the strength of his team. And I think those data points that you listed give credence to that confidence that he he might be able to to make a run here. Um, I, I do think he has a couple of league winners. Travis Etienne has definitely outperformed his draft position, and those are those are just huge guys to have on your team because you're getting that production that you didn't necessarily draft. And then the Cowboys seem to have unlocked Ceedee Lamb over the past few weeks. If they continue to go with this revolutionary strategy of giving the ball to your best player. That could be really good for Brian's team. And then we talked about it on the episode with him as well. I honestly think the Dallas Cowboys defense has league winning potential. They've put up some monster points in, in games previously this year. And when you're getting 20, 30, 40 points from a defense, that's, that's just incredibly difficult to overcome in any matchup. And the Cowboys defense and special teams has that ability to do in a playoff week and completely swing a matchup. So I, I do think Brian has a strong team. He's experiencing the, the cruelty of fate that, you know, things bounce a little differently your way in the weekly matchups. You're river dancing with Michael Flatley and it goes the other way and you're on the outside of the playoff picture. So uh, I, I think in this week's tears of fears poll, I did put that. I fear Brian's team and, you know, glad, glad that, uh, he's on the outside of the playoffs right now. Yeah. He's, he's got a, that Dallas defense is, has been strong. I w- we'll just read out the points accrued by that defense per week. Um, just notice though, it does drop off uh, after the first four games of the season, which, 
um, were games against teams that you would expect the defense to perform best in. But 37, 15, 1, 27. And then from there, 1, 5, 16, 2. Um, so if it wasn't for that 16, it'd be 1, 5, and 2. Um, they have um, some an easier schedule coming up. They played the, Gi- the Giants this week, played the Panthers next week, and the Washington Commanders the week after. So um, I think your prognostication that that defense um, will put up some big numbers in the weeks to come is apt and perhaps uh, help Brian slide into the playoffs in the next couple weeks. Let's move on to talk about the last two, um, the two unluckiest thus far. Uh, someone who is in 12th place currently with an actual winning percentage of 11, um, and a, but a schedule adjusting win percentage of 31.3, so a difference of 20.2%, Stephen. Stephen Luck, um, you know, earlier, Jamie, I mentioned that you are remarkably consistent. I will acknowledge that Stephen is remarkably inconsistent. Um, the gap between his highest and lowest scoring weeks is 92 points. I believe he put up 140 the second week of the season and um, put up, I think, about 50 uh, a, a different week. So um, he he is sort of all over the place in terms of variance. Um, his numbers are wild, admittedly, but to be honest, the impact is fairly little. Uh, we're talking about moving from 12th place, which he's at now, to 11th place, which is what he would be if everyone's schedules were adjusted for place. So um, that unluck brings him up one one spot in the rankings, but that 20% um, is meaningful, even if the increase of one place uh, is less. Any thoughts on Steven's season? Uh, is anything you do to salvage it? No, un- un- unfortunately, this one is a lost cause for Steven. But as he mentioned in his episode, you know, had to go through this valley so people could really start to believe the underdog story and uh, just setting himself up for a redemption year in yeah, 2024. Like a phoenix, you know. Um, I will I will note, um, as someone who put together a 10-page proposal, um, but who doesn't necessarily care too deeply about the heart behind it, this is actually the perfect time for someone like Steven to be engaged in uh, in the season as he looks towards next year, if there were um, keepers uh, in the league. So just wanted to call that out. And that's something that we've talked about before. So Michael, on the pod last week, Brian introduced the idea of the loser of the league, which at this point looks like Steven, could be Sean, maybe a third person enters the race having to organize the often talked about dad bod combine and bringing that to reality with uh, participation, I think of 60 or 80% of the league somewhere in there. Uh, what are your thoughts on the league loser organizing that effort and just thoughts on a, a dad bod combine in general? I think, I think it's great. And I think it's a way to make the dad bod loser a real winner actually. Um, to be able to sort of gather together um, some esteemed gentlefolk and uh, to, you know, help host something that could be um, not only fun, but kind of live in infamy. Uh, I'm curious to know, Jamie, what are the sort of events that we're talking about? Are these like dad bod specific events or are these um, replications of actual combine activities or, or a combination of both? Yeah, I I would vote for the com- combo of, you know, like maybe six events that are pulled straight from the NFL combine 
And then six events that have more of that creative flair that embrace our dad bods and creativity. Um, so that, that would be my thoughts. Um, yeah. That's a great thought. Want to ask your nameless wife, uh, her thoughts on this aspect of league culture and whether as a fan of the pod, you're interested in this type of content or indifferent. Oh, I love it. I feel like you might know this, Jamie, but I am like a huge fan of themed events and any excuse to like host a themed event. So dare I say, I would even be willing to lend a hand to this, this season's loser if you need any help with the creative flair. So I love it. I think it's a great way to, yeah, like foster more engagement and connection within your team. I think it's a nice, like, I feel like, I don't know the ins and outs of this, but I feel like I've heard of things where losers from fantasy teams have to do like annoying, just not fun things. But I love Mm -hmm. that this is an opportunity where it's like a burden, a task. They have to like put some planning and effort, but towards something that is, I think just would be really fun and funny. Um, So I'm all for it and I'm willing to assist. That that's huge. Um, I mean, there, there it is. So we just need to see the 10 page proposal and the will, the people, but Michael's nameless wife, more than, more than happy to a few times. (laughs) Perfect. That's Alex. Alex is willing to help. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, Jamie, let's, let's finish out the six by talking about the, uh, unluckiest of our of our members. Do you have any guesses as to who holds that esteemed title? I I think he holds this esteemed title in league history as well. This is not a, a one year event by any stretch. So I'm going to guess Sean Greer as our unluckiest member. Very uh, close, um, but 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 not. Um, it, the answer is Eric. Um, oh, so Eric is. Um, in eighth place, tied uh, same record as Brian and I, uh, who are seventh and ninth. Um, his actual winning percentage is forty-four percent, but his schedule-adjusted winning percentage is sixty-five point seven percent. That's a difference of twenty-three. So that's the largest magnitude, um, either positive or negative, between anyone's uh, current winning percentage and what their winning percentage would be if it was adjusted for their schedule. Um, Eric, like Stephen, is remarkably inconsistent. Um, the gap between his highest and lowest scoring weeks is also ninety-two points. Um, unlike Stephen, though, uh, Eric's gap is mostly due to his high highs. He has scored 155 points one week. Um, his lows, which are only dropped down to 74 and 89, are not quite at the level of Stephen's lows of 42 points and 59 points. So um, similar level uh, degree of variance between Eric and Stephen, but it's um, a different portion of the scale. That's a higher portion for Eric. Um, from a deep cuts perspective, Eric, uh, his uh, average opponents points against. So how many points get scored against him on average is 125. Um, so compared to uh, Travis or to you, Jamie, whose opponents have um, averaged fewer than hundred points, that's pretty significant. That is as if Eric, um, when compared to you all is playing someone who has an extra player and that extra player is not just anyone, but is Christian McCaffrey or Patrick Mahomes. 
Um, yeah, I was about to say almost like two extra players. Yeah, um, I think it's like yeah, one really great tight end, and uh, and then like a pretty solid running back. Um, so yeah, two extra players right there. When accounting for for you all, and this is kind of where the magic happens, Jamie. Um, when a, if everyone played everyone every week, Eric would be in second place. Um, so I asked you a similar question, Jamie, that I asked you about Travis and Seth. Um, Brian and Eric are two of the unluckiest that are still in playoff contention. They're seventh and eighth right now, tied at four and five. Who do you think is most likely to progress to the mean, making it into the top six and securing a playoff spot? Yeah, this is tough because Eric has a lot to like about his team. I mean, you just start off at the top, Pat Mahomes, Devontae Adams, Christian McCaffrey. I, I don't know anybody who wouldn't want that as the nucleus of their team. And you, you could see that, I mean, any one of those guys like taking over a week. And if you have two of them hitting, you know, that that's really good. So if I had to, to place a bet, um, you know, Eric is definitely one of those teams that I'm scared of and, and wouldn't want to face. So I might put my money on him, but he's also been hard to get on the pod. And as mm-hmm. we've seen, pod participation has strongly correlated with uh, league success this year. So the fact that he hasn't participated makes me think that progression might not be coming for him. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to say, you know, he does have uh, a running back who was performing literally otherworldly um, before going on the IR and HN. Um, so if, when he comes back, perhaps his running back game will be improved to include McCaffrey and HN. Um, I will say I'm really excited for Eric this week specifically. Um, not only is he facing Matt McNichol, but he is at least currently starting two tight ends. And as someone who um, pioneered that tactic and took yeah, the bully tight end to a league win, um, I think uh, I'm I'm rooting for him. Um, I think I probably placed my money with Brian, but um, but uh, it wouldn't surprise no one if uh, if Eric um, was able to turn it around um, and uh, sort of get above 500. And, uh, and make the playoffs. My favorite part about Eric's matchup with Matt this week is they have arguably the number one and number two quarterbacks in fantasy, Mahomes and Hertz, both on bye this week. So instead, we are seeing this Titan matchup of Josh Dobbs and Bryce Young. So I, I think Bryce has scored five points so far mm-hmm. tonight. We'll see if he does anything in the fourth quarter. Uh, but yeah. what a swing. Yeah, the the start the, cho- cho- the choice to pick up and start Bryce Young was a surprise to me, um, and I just don't know whether he maybe got the latest magazine um, edition to see what they would recommend he start. So, um, if we can lock him down on the pod, we will ask if he's picked up any magazines midseason or okay. if he's still rolling with with the same information from draft night. Jamie, I thought I'd close out with. Um, Talk just running through the full list of um, what what the order of our league would be rankings wise if every team played every team, and so um, here's the full schedule adjusted order: um, numbers one to six, which would make the playoffs. Uh, in order: Zach, Eric, Brian, Matt, Jamie, Travis. Seven to twelve, so outside of playoffs. In order: Seth, Jesse, myself, John, Stephen. Sean. Of course, that's 
schedule adjusted, that does not mean that will happen. Um, but it just gives us a snapshot five weeks before the playoffs to see um, what things look like. Um, to give you the records of Zach at the top and Sean at the bottom, Zach would be 69 and 30 right now at a 69.7% winning percentage. And Sean would be at 22 and 77 at 22.2. So those are some numbers for us to marinate on to um, sort of take into week 10. And, uh, and who knows, maybe make some final moves for a playoff push. I love that you've given the people some much needed content that they they haven't had of this variety since Caleb moved to Sweden and started his fartlek training for Ironmans and various competitions. So do you do you have a pithy name like Caleb's Corner that we might be able to to name this segment? No, I'm just a I'm just sort of a, a weekend data guy. Not my not my full time job, but um but I, I, I do just want to state for the record, I think a lot of our listeners know, but in case they don't, uh, moving to Sweden is not a euphemism for anything. That, that is a literal... Oh, uh, yeah. No, that, that was just a thing that happened. Yeah. And I just, I just want to make sure that, that everyone knows, um, because I could see some people trying to read between the lines there, and th- there are no lines to read between. Right. And I realize not all of our listeners might be familiar with the Fartlek system, but um, yeah, Caleb does that training. He runs Ironmans. He's, he's an incredible athlete and runner as well. So, um, yeah, all of that was just factual, no euphemisms or innuendo innuendos. Um, but yeah, realize not everyone's a, a Patreon subscriber who's listened to all six seasons of the pod. So Michael, thank you for servicing our new listeners and our longtime listeners with, uh, more fodder for the group me to talk about the, uh, the schedule adjusted, adjusted rankings. Happy to be here. Um, and yeah, it sounds like we're going to have to get Eric a, uh, some type of, of plaque that we can frame in a frame bridge custom cover with a, a certificate that says you are unlucky. Come on the pod. I think that would, that would compel him, um, would be my hunch. So, uh, if I need to do any, make any contributions to make that a reality, I'm happy to do so. Awesome. Well, appreciate the, the in-depth analysis from our weekend data guy, that sounds like a great segment name to me. And uh, the way we've been closing things out, matchup of the week, we talked a little bit about Eric and Matt, definitely compelling. Any other matchups this week that you've got your eye on and want to give the uh, esteemed honor of being our matchup of the week? Um. Yeah, Jamie, for me, the matchup between Zach and Travis deserves matchup of the week um, promotion. Not only um, do they have the same record, uh, at least before tonight's games began, the Yahoo projections had them as one hundredth of a point difference, favoring Travis 101.43 to 101.42. Um, not sure how that's playing out uh, right now, if either of them have Bears or um or Panthers that they're starting, but um, but it's not just that it's uh, you know that they're similar record or that they have um, similar projections, but that this is high stakes. Um, they are vying for a playoff buy, not just playoff entry, and that buy mm-hmm. is a significant carrot. Um, and so uh, you know, I think whoever wins between them 
um, is still in consideration for getting that buy. I mean, I, I think mathematically they would both still be able to get it, but I think um, winning this week would really put one in the driver's seat over the other. So, um, so I, I pick them. I also just want to acknowledge that both that Travis has um, two starters playing in on Monday Night Football, and so the suspense will drag on not from tonight uh, into Sunday, but also from Sunday into Monday. That's who I've got. Love it. I'm with you on that one. Excited to to see the matchup of the week and hopefully something that uh, we're able to talk about on Monday as it comes down to the wire. Indeed, who you got in that matchup? Ooh. Um, it's tough not to say Zach, but I'm going to pull for Travis. Um, That's just the heart right there. Yeah. Uh, speaking from the heart, um, I think that Zach is going to pull it out. Um, so same record, he's in second place, Travis is in fifth. It would do a lot of good for Travis to get this victory, but I think Zach has it in hand, even with Mostert and Tyreek on by this week. Fair enough. Any closing thoughts before we uh, throw it to Zach for his masterful edit? No, just appreciate the time. Always good to spend time with you, Jamie. Always great to talk. Thank you to Michael. Thank you to Alex. Uh, really enjoyed having you guys on the pod this week. And we'll see if there's a, another segment from our weekend data guy down the line um, as we, we get closer to the crunch time of playoffs. Thank you for all being with us today, league members and nameless wives. Everyone else, go fall on well. <laughs>